Thanks, Ali. Thank you so much. It's lovely being with you. Um, excited to be here again. Um, kind of funny, you know, um, public speaking. Um, I, I, I grew up in the Brethren. I got saved when I was six, and the, the old mentor who led me to the Lord took me preaching when I was 11. And, um, I, and I've been preaching ever since. I've, I'm going to try and get the hang of it some of these days. But um, I, I, said to him, I said to him on one of my return trips, um, he, he had a, those of you who are my age will remember the Vauxhall Viva. He had a Vauxhall Viva. And um, what I liked about him was whenever I uh, became 13, 14, Stevie Livingstone was quite old, and he used to let me drive his car. You'd never dream of doing that now, but back then the law was a little bit, um, and I used to love that. I used to love going preaching, but I used to love driving his Vauxhall Viva. And, um, and I said to him one day on the way home, I said, when, when do the nerves stop? And he said, Phil, when the nerves stop, you stop. So that's almost 50 years ago, um, and the nerves haven't stopped which is a good thing. Um, we're on this uh, theme, the spirit-filled life, and uh, if I can go to, will this work, Race? We'll jump to the next one. Go ahead, go again. There we go. I'll tell you a little story about this slide. Um, back in the manual, we do what's called a shape course, and um, 20 years ago, or just over 22 years ago now, when I uh, founded Emmanuel Church. My kids had bought me um, for Father's Day a book called The Purpose Driven Church. Many of you will have read The Purpose Driven Life, but The Purpose Driven Church was out before that. And it was a book that I found just in church planting back then, coming from the... Uh, my background was I was a coal man. I worked in and uh, uh, carried coal in Craig Evan, and the city was very, very broken. There was loads of broken people, and I began to lead some of these people to the Lord on my coal run and didn't know where to bring them. That's the story of Emmanuel. Um, it wasn't that, it, it just no church that w- was about back then knew what to do with these people. I didn't even know what to do with them. And my wife, who um, is now deceased, she was uh, tw- died 12 years ago. And I'll tell you a little story about that in a moment. But she, I will say she was the accelerator and I was the brake. And um, she said to me, Phil, why don't you just bring them home? Why don't you just bring them home? And so on the 8th of September 1996, we um, started a manual with my four kids back then um, who were young and my wife and I, and we had two teenage girls. That was it in the room that first morning. And, um, and I got this book and in the book, a guy called Eric Reese came up with a, an acronym for shape, spiritual gifts, heart's desire, your abilities, your personality, and your experience. And his suggestion was out of those five things, if you could figure out those five things in your life, you could figure out a little bit about what God wants you to do. And so I started on a bit of a journey to Northern Irish that and, and put some of my own material into it. And we've been running this course now for um, 20 years. And uh, we run it over five nights teaching on these five things. After my wife died in, uh, in, 90, in, in 2006, sorry, um, the, the, one of my elder friends um, arrived around at my house about three or four weeks later with a 125 
marauder, little Suzuki marauder, motorbike. And he said to me, Phil, I thought maybe this might get you out of the house a little bit. And, um, and so I had no motorbike test or anything, but I had gotten this little 125. It was a sort of a little easy ride type of thing. And, and I fell in love with this little motorbike and started to do a little bit of motorbiking with two or three of my older friends who had bikes. And then I decided I would go to do my bike test. And I did what was called direct access, which I had to go to England to do. So I went to Coventry um, for three days to do my motorbike test. And the guy who trained me on my motorbike test was quite a character. He called me the vicar. And so what happened was you got this little earpiece, you put it in your ear, you put your helmet on, and he drove behind you and told you what to do, basically. And he had this little line that he kept saying, every time he'd say, right, next junction, take right. And as soon as you took right, what happened, he would say, right, vicar, New road, new rules. And the idea was that you were now on a new road, you'd pulled out of a, off a speed limit, and you'd look for the new rules of that road. And it made me start to think a little bit about Joshua. It made me, preachers get sermons out of everything. My, my kids say, you break an amber light and dad gets a sermon. Um, so... I, I thought about Joshua and I thought about the first five chapters and you know whenever you turn into the book of Joshua, the very first verse, God says to Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. New land, new rules. It wasn't information. He didn't need to tell Joshua Moses was dead. Joshua knew it. And when God, when God does stuff like this in your life, or in the scriptures, you'll usually find that he's not giving you information, he's usually giving you direction. And so God is given a load of direction. And so Moses is dead, and, and Joshua is about to, to, to lead these people into a new land where there's going to be new skills. It's not going to be like the old. I, I read a, a story recently um, about uh, when the Columbia space ship went up into space, they, they were taking photographs of Earth, and they discovered 26 lakes under the Sahara Desert. Incredible, isn't it? 26 lakes under the Sahara Desert. Amazing where people die of thirst, there's lakes, isn't it? Funny how in churches, isn't it, people die because they... they they never tap into the resources that are, are there. And there's something about, <laughs> there's something about when, you've, when you get to the place that the sign points to, the sign's never enough anymore. Sure it's not. You know, if, I, if, you, if you go into a nice restaurant and you, you pick up the sign, you don't go home as soon as you see the sign. <laughs> because the sign's not enough. And some of us, I think, have, have stopped at good theology and missed an encounter. And God wants to encounter us. He wants to move in our lives. And so I, I, I just think in a similar way, our spiritual resources need tapped into. And my fear is that sometimes we can miss out because we're settling for less. So we need to understand our shape. All right? I have some things here that we'll get into if this button works. There we go. Understand your shape. They're not talking about your physical shape, all right, just in case some of you are thinking about that. 
All right, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at, at Romans 12. So if you've got a Bible or an app on your phone and you want to look up um, Romans 12, we're going to be reading a few verses out of that as we go through this morning, all right? And I won't be uh, keep you late, I promise, all right? You need to, the first thing that we need to do is we need to understand that we have to fully surrender ourselves to God. You see, we use little phrases in, in church. We say, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, that's not really the full truth. The Bible actually says, submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. There's always a little catch, you see, all right? We say sometimes, well, the Bible says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. True? Well, it's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it the other way around. It says rejoice with those who rejoice. We quote it wrong all the time. And weep with those who weep. And the reason for that is, if, if you can't rejoice with someone, you shouldn't be weeping with them. All right? I think there's a, there's a, there's a reason things are in the Bible the way they are. So you have to fully express your surrender to God. Here's what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view, verses 1 and 2, Romans 12, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Some of your uh, versions will say, it's the least you could do. It's the least you could do. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That verse started off with, therefore, you'd know that whenever the Bible says, therefore, you should look and see what it's there for. All right? It's a hinge word. It's a word that connects to something that's past. All right? So it's really important to understand that. And so when we come to chapter 12, Paul is making a shift in this, in this book. There's a shift from doctrine to practice. And that's why the little therefore is there. All right? So always remember that, younger ones, when you say a therefore, look and see what it's there for. Look and see what went before. And he, he does this in, in, in ver various books. He does this in Ephesians and Colossians as well. The first part of the book is doctrinal, and then he moves it into practice. And so theology is never meant to be cold and lifeless. It, 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 it's always supposed to have a, 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 a sort of a, a practical application. It's as if he's saying, based on everything I've just said, based on the first 11 chapters of this book, he says, now, here, here's how we put it into practice. And uh, again, I say, sometimes we, we stop just at, the, uh, at good theology and miss encounters. Like I, if, if those of you who are married here, you, you know that. You could bring out your marriage certificate to prove you're married, but it's not just the theology of the marriage certificate. Your marriage needs encounter. You encounter one another, and that's what makes you love one another. And so there's something about this. And so therefore is a really interesting word in the Bible. And there's four of them in Romans. If you want to jot them down, Romans 3.20 is a therefore of condemnation. Romans 5.1 is a therefore of justification. And Romans 8.1 is a therefore of assurance. And then we have this one, um, which is a therefore of surrender. All right, so he's looking at our full surrender. So, so, so basically what Paul is saying, well, based on everything I've said, now you should be fully surrendering yourselves unto God. And then he sort of finishes with this amazing um, doxology um, 
on, on, on the previous chapter of verse 33, um, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond finding out. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory. And then he goes, Therefore, in light of all that, in light of all that, you should fully surrender yourselves unto God. I love this little word where um, Paul says, uh, I urge you, brothers, I urge you. The word there, if you look it up in the Greek, it means to draw near or to invite, all right? Uh, and, and, and being filled with the Holy Spirit is, in the Bible is both a command and an invitation. I, 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 was in the, um, I was in the barbers, you see. I wasn't getting my own hair cut, as you can see. But I was in the barbers with my son, um, on, on Friday, and the two, there was two girls cutting her, and one said to the other girl, um, you're coming to my hen do, aren't you? And I thought, that was an invitation and a command. She was inviting her, but she was saying, you better be there. Well, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit's a bit like that. It's, a, it's both an invitation and it's a command. You see in Ephesians 5, um, Paul again says, don't be filled with wine where is access, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, don't, don't, don't let this control your life. Let this control your life. Don't be under the influence of this. Be under the influence of this. And, and I think the church today struggle a little bit with other or language. And yet when I read the New Testament, I find a lot of other or language. Don't do this do this, all right? And so there's a call to come near, and he's calling believers to, to come near, and he's saying, uh, uh, I love this, he's saying, don't miss what God has for you. Don't miss the mercies of God. I love what John Calvin once said. He said, we never worship with a sincere heart or, or serve God with an unbridled zeal until we properly understand how much we're indebted to God's mercy. I hope you all know that. We're indebted to God's mercy. The grace and mercy of God is a beautiful thing. And God has demonstrated so much mercy that we can't help but fully surrender our lives to him. And then Paul gives us three ways on how to do this. The first thing he says is offer your body. All right? He, he says, in view of all the many mercies, offer your body. The word is a technical term, all right, it's, uh, uh, used to describe or the presenting the bringing of an animal to sacrifice. So the person who has nothing to give but themselves is able to give the greatest gift of all. Give your body. Give your body. Imagine giving your body as a living sacrifice. And then he says this. He says, offer your mind. Offer your mind. I love this. The, the, the word actually transformed there, if you're a Bible studier, is the exact same word um, transfigured where Jesus went up into the, the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he was transfigured. He was transformed before them. It's the exact same word. And what happened in the Mount of Transfiguration was that um, one minute Jesus was this, and the next minute he was, actually the Greek word is other. It was like, it was like caterpillar butterfly. You couldn't compare these two things and think they were from the same. And I sort of wonder right? If that's the same word that Paul's using here in Romans 12, which it is, could Jesus be telling us that as believers, our life should be other? <laughs> Whenever we come and be filled with the Holy Spirit, that there should be no recollection that it should be so different from the world. 
Alas, today, what has happened in our, in our, in our plea to, to contact the world, we've become more like them. And so what has happened, if, you see, many years ago, I remember it was like a pub culture where you'd go into a pub and, and, and the whole idea was to go in and tell people about Jesus in the pub and the problem was they went in and they started to drink like them and they ended up just like them and the world actually contaminated them rather than them actually bring Christ into it. And so there's, there's danger in all this and I'm not, I'm not a legalist in any shape or form but I just think there's something about offering our bodies, offering our minds and then he says, offer your will. Offer your will. He doesn't dominate our wills. That's the beautiful thing about God. Um, he doesn't dominate our wills. Now, then what he tells us is to have a, a proper estimation of ourselves. All right? If we can go there. Have a proper estimation of self. And the way, of, the, the way to have that proper estimation of yourself is found in the next couple of verses. Verse 3 to 5. Turn to your, your Bible again, you'll see. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. He says, in, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members don't have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the other. So, so what's he saying? He's saying, first of all, you need to discern who you are. All right? You need to discern who you are. There you go. Discern who you are. All right? Uh, have you ever been around somebody who you think they have a higher estimation of themselves than anybody else has? We all know people like that, don't we? I can see you smiling. So it's not a good feeling when you're around somebody who's bragging and, and, and boasting all the time. Never forget this truth because um, God uses us simply because he wants to, all right? It's not because of how smart we are. Hope you've picked that up, all right? He uses us because he wants to. And we're to avoid thinking too highly of ourselves, and we're to avoid thinking too lowly of ourselves as well. And we do that by focusing on God's grace. Sometimes when I'm doing leadership talks, I say that my two estimations of leaders are that I find many leaders are far too hard on themselves but actually the opposite is true as well. I find far too many leaders who are far too easy on themselves. And they tolerate in themselves what they would never tolerate in their congregation. And so we've got we've to get the balance in that. And then to celebrate diversity. So we have to celebrate diversity. Many functions, different roles. Uh, I, I often think in the fall, in the fall, as a result of the fall, God keeps us in deficit. I think he keeps us in deficit. Because we... We need each other. I need you. <laughs> and you need me, believe it or not. You need Ollie and Andy and the rest of your leadership team. They need you. This doesn't function. No man's an island. And it doesn't function unless we begin to celebrate diversity. And there's so many ways we can do that. By understanding each person's spiritual gifts, by understanding each person's heart's desire, by understanding what they're able to do by their abilities, by understanding people's personalities, and by understanding experience, because experience is a wonderful thing. And then we have to recognize our dependency. So we're, we're dependent on one another. We're dependent on each other as the body functions. We need this body function. It was lovely to see so many people up here this morning, because that's how the, the body functions. I, I read a survey recently that um, 85% experts tell us that 85% of the success of people in the workplace is directly related to interpersonal relationships. 
85%. That's a massive. So you know, you know when, when things aren't right, it's, it, man, it, it, wrecks, it, it, it wrecks your work capacity, it wrecks your mind, everything. So, so don't, get, don't get too puffed up. That's what um, Paul's writing to the church at Rome here. And then he's saying this, completely engage in service. We need to fully express our surrender to God, and then we cultivate a proper estimate of ourselves. Here's what he says in verse 68. We have different gifts According to the grace given us, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. Um, if it's encouraged, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. Let him lead with all diligence. If it's showing mercy, let him do it um, cheerfully. Now, there's a little bit of misconception around the gifts in the Bible. And what I'm going to do now for the next 10 minutes or so, I'm going to show you the three sets of gifts. There's three passages in the New Testament that talk about gifts. And there's a little, I, 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 I think the church today doesn't grasp a great understanding of where they are. So in Romans 12, we've seven. In Ephesians 4, we've five. And in 1 Corinthians 12, we've nine. That's 21. And then we have three graces, which we'll look at as well. So all in all, that's 24 gifts in the Bible. And we're going to look at how they're placed and how they function. This is something that I'm not dead sure um, people really realize. And we need to know this. We need to know that God has given gifts to everybody. All of us have got gifts. Every single person has got giftings. And if we've got giftings, they're given to use. If you don't use it, you lose it. All right? If, there, if, if, if we don't, these, these are supplied by God for us, and we're going to look at those. And I, 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 I say this again, many of us would, would rather experience something than do something. And we need to use our gifts. We always learn more by doing because our gifts are given to be given. Our gifts are given to be given, all right? I usually put it like this, the, the cup. What, what goes in is for you. What flows over is for others. So I want a cup that flows over. All right? I just don't want to be selfish and say, God, just fill me to the brim, but don't let me flow over because I don't really want to give anything to anybody else. We need to, we need to give. Gifts are given to be given. All right? So here we go. Um, a little understanding of the language helps us to understand where the gifts lie. There's two words for um, gifts in the Bible, all right? The first one is charisma, and the second one is doria. And I'll, I'll explain the difference to them. Doria, or doma, D-O-M-A, is another definition of Ephesians 4, 7, and 4, 8 as well. A charisma, I, I, I went to India um, some years ago on a mission trip, and when I arrived at the, at the center, uh, uh, the, the tribal mission station, this little girl ran up and put a garland of flowers around my neck. And then somebody else came, and then somebody else came. I was, didn't want to offend them by taking it off, but when I couldn't see, I had to do something. And um, the pastor says, well, don't worry, just take them off again. That's charisma. Charisma is a garland. It's placed on you. You didn't have to ask for it. You didn't need to pray for it. It's just given to you. It's created in you, actually. It's created in you. That's why the Romans 12 giftings are really important that we understand this, all right? They're, they're, they're placed upon you, all right? The doma or the doria is given to you. It's reached like that, and you have the offer to take it or leave it. The other ones you don't. Charisma, you got it, whether you like it or you don't. 
All right? And so when it comes to um, the Romans 12 giftings, which is really important that we understand this, if we can go to the next one there, Reese, um, Romans 12, um, are two gifts every believer has, first of all. Um, the charisma of eternal life. <laughs> every believer gets this. The moment you get saved, the moment you get saved, you get the gift of eternal life. I, I, I hope I, not, I, I don't often preach my opinions, but I, I, I believe in eternal security. I'm just one of those people that does. If you don't, I'm okay with that. And I just I can't understand if you don't believe in eternal security, why it says eternal. <laughs> I can't figure out if it's eternal and you can lose it. All right? So I, I believe in eternal security. The moment I put my trust in God as my Savior and my Lord, all of those years ago, I, my, my destiny was sealed. It was sealed. And, and, and so the charisma of eternal and the derea of righteousness. The moment, the moment I got saved and the moment a person gets saved, God takes the guilt and the shame and the sin and the filth and he reaches you the derea of righteousness. And if you are living in guilt and shame and sin today as a believer, then you are not receiving the derea of righteousness. You're declining. You're saying, God, I don't deserve your righteousness. Of course you don't, but he's given it to you. It's a gift. And you need to take the gift of his righteousness. It's a beautiful thing. Guilt and shame have no place in the believer's life. And you need to dust them off. And if you're living in guilt and shame, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's one of the big therefores in Romans. And I tell our people all the time, dust them off yourself. Don't carry them around because they don't belong to the believer. We've got the gift of righteousness. Romans 12 giftings, better run. All right, can we go to Romans 12? The gifts of the Father, right? I, I think they're best understood like this. Gifts of the Father, gifts of the Son, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not adding to Scripture. You'll see why in a moment. The gifts of the Father, how come they're gifts of the Father? Because they're a charisma. They're placed upon you. You did, actually don't need to be a believer to have these. You're born in, in the likeness, shapen in the likeness of God. So they're basic life, purpose, and motivation gifts. All right? And there's seven of them. You want to fire them all up, race, we'll throw them all up. Um, there, there's seven of those, right? And so, sorry for the, my different color. I don't know how that happened, but my tax skills aren't brilliant. Um, the, you, you say, well, how could, how could somebody who's a non-believer have the gift of prophecy? Well, I don't know about Richard Branson. I don't know whether he's a believer or not, but you couldn't say he doesn't have the gift of prophecy. See, the gift of prophecy is not foretelling it's foretelling. It's, it's, it's looking ahead. It's looking ahead. Ministry service, teaching. Loads of teachers about that aren't believers. Loads of encouragers and givers and some great leaders and, and, and some merciful charities about that aren't believers. How come? Because they're created in the image of God. It's beautiful, isn't it? That we get the, this deposit is in us, this Romans 12 deposit is in us. And why I do the ship course with our folks back home, why I've been doing it for 20 years, is in the first night we do, there's, you get a homework and there's 102 questions. And out of the 102 questions, it starts to decipher which of these are, are in your life. So if you, if you want help with that, 
Um, that's what our course tries to do. Um, so these are the gifts of the Father. Then, then you've got the, the, the next set, if you want to jump on, the gifts of the Son. They're not basic life gifts. These are facilitating gifts. Let's read it, and then we'll, uh, you, you can't accuse me of um, putting something in the Scripture that's not there. Um, Ephesians 4. It was definitely here earlier in this Bible. Um, here we go. It says, He ascended. Does mean that he also descended to the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens. Who's he talking about? Who ascended and descended? Jesus, son, okay. And then it goes, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things and he give to the church. He give to the church these five giftings. All right, so these are gifts of the Son. And they're the facilitating gifts. Sir. And here, here's the big thing too. And here's, here's why you should pray for your leaders, all right? Um, the reason these gifts, these are offices in the church, all right? The gift of the apostle, the, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor. And their job is to, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So if you're expecting your pastors to do everything, you're wrong. Your pastors and your leaders are here to lead the flock and to equip the body. But if we send them out on a, to do seven visits a day, they're never going to be able to equip the saints. And hence, many, many church leaders are burned out because they're trying to do the work of the ministry instead of equipping the body to do the work of the ministry. And so it's body ministry. And the leaders equip. All right? Here they are. There are five of them. I put a little tagline at the end of them. You just... Um, man, I don't know what's going on with my colors, but there you go. Um, just that adds a bit of flavor to it, doesn't it? Um, so the gifts of the sun, um, I, I usually describe it with a hand, my little stumpy fingers, right? If you can imagine, the gift of the prophet is the pointer, all right? It's the one that points ahead. So it's a bit like, you go do this. So that's the gift. Of, the gift of the evangelist is the longest finger of all. He's out ahead of everybody, all right? He's out winning the lost. And the problem with, with evangelists is the church has never known how to handle evangelists. We pray, we pray, Lord, send us an evangelist, and then we expect them to sit in church all the time, and they get bored with church. Evangelists don't actually like church meetings. You need to push them out. You need to push them out into community. And they bring the people in. And then the next finger is the pastor. He looks after the ones that are brought in. And then the teacher comes in and he teaches them. This is the fourth one. And then the apostle is your thumb, right? And it's the one, it's the, it's the one that touches every finger. It's the only one that you can touch everything with. There's a little bit of everything in the apostolic gift. And, and basically, the, the apostle looks over. So he, I say a true apostolic gift clears away for people. It makes a field for people to move into, all right? I'll be done in a few minutes. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so, so, so it's really important that we understand the prophet looks ahead, the evangelist looks for, the pastor looks out, and the teacher looks within, all right? And it's really important that they're all ministering in the church. So that's, that's seven, the basic life purpose ones. These are the facilitating, equipping gifts. And then we've got the gifts of the Spirit, Race, you want to just throw them all up? That'd be great. The gifts of the Spirit, all right? And aye, that next one, to empower the church to ministry. The, some of the New Testament um, language of this is dunamis, the empowering, the, where we get our word dynamite from. 
the dunamis. These are the torpedo gifts. These are the gifts that bring power and life to the church. There's, and if we, if we get into a cessationist type of belief where we don't believe the gifts are for today, then we've, we've, we lose our power. We lose our power. And I, I've, I saw the pendulum swing. I saw the abusiveness of the charismatic movement. I, I grew up, I was 30 plus years in the Brethren. So I, I've, I've had the pendulum swing both ways. And there's balance. There's something about bringing balance to God's house. And there's something about understanding these torpedo gifts, which I think what happens is because of the abuse, we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And what happens is we grew, well, I grew up where it was Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. Um, and, and, but it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, here, here are the nine of them. Um, see where my colors are going? There we go again. Um, th- these, are, these are the nine gifts of the Spirit. Now, here's my take on this, all right? You can, this is my opinion, all right? And I don't often preach opinion, so I'm, I'll call it a suggestion. My suggestion is in, in that these never belong to a person. These are the gifts of the Spirit, all right? And they never belong. Now, some people operate in them in an easier way, but they're gifts of the Spirit. That's why I can't go up the road and set up my little Philip Emerson healing ministry, because it's not mine. It's God's gift to heal. God's gift to him. And you see, I want to, in our church, we, we, we have this little thing where we say, we want a church where anybody can come and anything can happen. <laughs> anybody can come and anything can happen. And you see, if you, if you say, well, I believe everybody gets healed. I believe that everybody that gets prayed for should get healed. Well, then you see, my story doesn't fit because I watched my wife die at 47 and couldn't do one thing. I watched Ali's wife die at 23. I fasted for 40 days, water only for 40 days. I believed with all of my heart that God was going to heal her, and she died. So our stories don't fit, you see, if you say everybody gets healed. But I I prayed for a guy about a year ago, and it's it's too embarrassing a story to tell you here, but he had prostate cancer, and God told me to do something really strange, and you can piece that together yourself, all right? But um, it, it was, I knew it was God, and so with his family and all there, I said, look, I feel God has told me to do this, and I'm going to pray for you. He went the next day to hospital, and the doctor said this to him. He took his two sheets, his two, his two x-rays, like this here, and he goes, I'm not looking at the same person. This here, last week, doesn't match this here, because your cancer is completely totally and utterly gone. So you see, I don't know how healing works. And I don't have all the answers, but I've learned this. I've learned to trust God more than understand him. And I'm going to trust God to the very end. And so when we pray, then it's over to God. And so there's something about these powerful gifts as we, as we begin to introduce them and not be afraid of them, but actually to encourage them to get words of wisdom, words of knowledge, things like that. I'll tell you a quick story. I know it's six minutes to 12. All right? I'll finish, I'll finish on the R. Is that okay? Is that all right? Promise. I'll tell you a story. My, my dad, my dad uh, owned quarries and stuff, hence I had to take the hearing aids out to put this machine on, but my, my hearing got damaged in quarries and stuff. But 
So I, I left the family business when I was 20, started in the haulage business, long story, blah, blah, blah. But went into ministry in 1996, got into ministry a little bit and worked as a coal man. I told you the story. But my brother, one of my brothers, Ali's, Alan's dad, actually, he's Alan as well. And um, he's nine years my senior, and he's preaching this morning in Emmanuel back home. So uh, he has, a, he has a, a license to, to set off explosives. Really good to know that, isn't it? Just in case you need any wee jobs done. So he has an explosives license, all right, and, um, for the quarry. And so what they do is they go and they, they bore the holes in the faces of the quarry. They plant the, the dynamite, and then they run the line. And, um, and I, I was in church. I was in our little church office one Wednesday afternoon at, at 1 o'clock. That's this urge to pray, pray for your brother Alan, wouldn't go away, wouldn't go away, and, I, and uh, I've learned these hunches, so people say to me all the time, Phil, I don't know what was going on with you, but four o'clock this morning, God woke me and told me to, if ever that happens, get on your knees and pray, God is doing that for a reason, all right, and uh, so this happened, and, and I, I tried to shun it, I was working away, and I said, oh, no, no, I better go, so I went into our little prayer room, I dropped to my knees, and I said, God, I don't know what's going on with my brother Alan, but I know that you need me to pray for him and I'm just interceding for him now in Jesus' name. Prayed a little bit and the burden lifted. Next day, he called in the office. He was driving past and he called in the office. Happened to say to him, I said, one o'clock yesterday, I had the weirdest thing. I had this thing to pray for you. And he goes, well, Phil, that is weird. Let me tell you the story. He said, we were putting a, 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 an explosive off yesterday and he says it was destined to go at one o'clock. One o'clock was the time. And they had to set the time because the army comes and the police come. They all have to be there. And so they have to do it on the scheduled time. And he said, when we pushed the plunger, the explosives didn't go. We pushed the plunger at one o'clock. And, and he says, the explosives didn't go. And he said, what, I don't know why any of you have seen the hurt locker. Anybody seen the hurt locker? And what you have to do, you have to do the thing. You have to walk the line. And so he, he, because he's the expert, he had to walk the line. The problem, the plunger's gone, right? The problem is if at any moment that line connects, the explosive could go. And so it's all this bodyguard stuff on, which probably isn't really that going to save your life. But that happened. What was that? That was a word of knowledge. I would have no way of knowing that. But God knew. And God knew he could trust somebody to deposit that into. That's why these giftings are so, so important. That's why it's important, to find, and that's why we do the shape course, to find out in our 102 questions, which ones of these nine, five, and seven are, are functional in your life, which ones you lean to, which ones you would like, and that's really important. And so over this, I don't know where you're going with this study, but over these mornings, I implore you, I implore you, like Paul, I would bow my knee and I would urge you to seek a filling and an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of him. He's beautiful. And when you, when, when you get him and you get the filling, the sign, the sign will never do you again, ever again. <laughs> you'll, never, you'll, you'll never make do with the sign anymore when you get the thing the sign points to. A couple of verses to finish. Um, just desire the most beautiful ones. And the most beautiful ones are the ones that bless other people. All right? Gifts are given to be given. And then our next slide says this. All right? These are our special graces. 
I, I call them graces because I don't think they're actual gifts, all right? Hospitality, celibacy, and martyrdom. You only get to use that one once. All right? Not like the Irish kamikaze on his 15th mission, all right? So um, these are the special graces, all right? So you've got 24 there to choose from, 24. Like, come on, church. Let's not get bored. Not get bored in church. There's loads to do. And a couple of verses to finish, all right? You will be most effective and fulfilled in ministry when you use your spiritual gifts in the area of your heart's desire according to your abilities in a way that expresses your personality and all your life's experiences. And if you knew how long it took me to get that S-H-A-P-E in line, <laughs> you would say amen right now. <laughs> Two verses to finish. Two verses to finish, Reese. I've, sorry, I have two verses after this. Just for, put, 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 that, put that one back up a wee minute. Uh, I, I think coming to the end, coming to the end, this is what I would love this morning. I'd love you to commit to personal growth. I'd love you to commit to personal growth through fully expressing your surrender to God. I'd love you to commit to this local body through a proper estimate of yourself, not to think too highly, not to think too lowly. I'd love you to commit to ministry by completing and engaging in service. Come to these men and women in your leadership team and say, what can I do to serve this body? What can I do to serve this town? I've got giftings. Yes, you have. Come and offer them. And when we do, we'll tap into the rich reservoir of God's blessing. Psalm 139. Um, go on ahead past that if you would, Reese. Okay. You're all part of the jigsaw. You all know that. Thank you. I love this. I love this. This is my wife's favorite verse. It's on her headstone. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous and how well I know it. You watched me as I've been formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Not beautiful. Every day of my life was recorded in your book and every moment was let out before a single day pass. Is it any wonder Paul could write to the church at Corinth and say you're not your own? No more selfishness in the house of God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price and the price is the precious blood of Christ. And one of my favorites, our church laugh when I say this because every verse is my favorite. For by grace you have been saved through faith, right? Not of yourselves at the gift of God, not of works so nobody can boast. Then it says this, for we are his workmanship. Some of your versions say his masterpiece. Made on the second half of the sixth day. Not incredible. Made sure he had everything done before he created you so he could spend the day off with you. That's your masterpiece. And he says, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So don't, don't ever say you're not, you're not saved for works. Not saved by works, but we're certainly saved for works. And God prepared them all. And here's my close. Here's my close. One day we're all going to give an account. One day we're going to stand. Probably could be sooner. I, I don't know about you, but if you're watching the same news I'm watching, it looks like, it looks like things are closing in. And I think they could close in relatively fast. And I'm going to stand before my creator who made me his masterpiece and I'm going to give an account for every single deed done in my body. 
as the Bible says, not my words, this is scripture. I'm going to give an account of every deed, every word said, every deed done. You know what I would hate? I would hate this for me, but I, I hate it. I would hate it for any single person in this room that you would get home and God would show you a room full of gifts that were all yours for the taking, even your Doria. I said, are those all for you? But you just never asked for them. You never stepped into them. My, what, what a folly that would be. What a, what a disaster that will be. And so we're, we're closing. Maybe are you, have a time to do a song? Yes, we do a song. Rick, sorry, I've, I've went on a little, but uh, please uh, ask me back. I'll, I'll not do it the next time. Um, I just, I just, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about about people moving into their fullness in Christ. I'm passionate about people getting set free. And I would love this morning, I don't know how you do ministry here, and I'll leave it to the guys that lead, but um, I, I, I would love, I'd love this morning that you would at least surrender, a fresh surrender to God. Say, God, I, I'm opening myself to you again. You see, whenever the wise men came to Jesus, we, we talk about three gifts. We talk about Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But there were three gifts before that. <laughs> there were six gifts. See, it says that when the wise men get into the house, they fell down. The surrender. That was the first gift. Total, absolute surrender. And then the second thing it says about them, they worshipped him. <laughs> Total surrender. Worship. And then you know the third thing it says? They opened their treasure chest. Read it yourself. And out of their treasure, they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I think there are people in the room and you've never fully surrendered. And you struggle a little bit with your worship. And, and you're all closed up. And you can't give gifts out of a closed treasure chest. And some of you are in and you've, you've seen the swing of the charismatic movement and you've thrown the baby out with the bath water and you... And you're not going to get hurt again with that. And, and, some of you, and some of you have maybe come in with a cessationist view that you don't believe the gifts of her today at all. And you've closed your heart to the power and anointing of God. And I think this morning God wants to set some people free. All right? And whatever way you want to do that, guys, I'm, I, I'm over to you. But I, I just feel like it might be great just to come to the front as an act of surrender this morning, just saying, God, God, I'm not even dead sure what I can give, but whatever I have, I'm going to give it to you. And I, I, I know I only look 29, but I turned 60 this year. And, and I'm saying, God, I want to finish well. I want the next 10, 20 years, whatever I've left, to be the best years of my life. I want them to, I want them to count. And I want them to count for you too. So as we worship, maybe maybe good to stand out in an aisle, to, to come to the front. I, I just think there's something about response. God loves response. Anything I got from God, I responded to it. And it might be good just to, to do that this morning, just to come as, as a... And, and then some of the guys can pray and, and whatever you're sensing. Sometimes the preacher's not the best person because... 
you've been sensing stuff as I go along. So let's do that. Let's worship. Let's start moving and, and let's obey.